So, I met you in Brixton Village. 2011. 2011, oh, you're good with dates, that's amazing. Summer 2011, I remember. Yes, so we were with a lady called Imben yeah. from Brickbox, that was it. And she came over and showed these wonderful digital animations of robots with sort of background images of Brixton and didn't really understand what was going on but knew that you were going to do something, wanted to do something in that area. Um, and Inven sort of mentioned it and you were sort of standing over and she came over and myself and Chris looked at each other we had this look when we really liked something we were like oh my god we need to get on this this guy's sick I don't care what it is let's just do it um, and so we were like yeah we'll help out whatever it is um, so that's how I met you Kibway um, but yeah tell me a bit about that just because the listeners may not know how you know 2011 was a significant year for you it was the year that you uh, launched your career in animation yeah. and, and film and TV. So, yeah. Yeah, so we were pitching. I was pitching to try and help you like, get to get me to do a big party in the village to kind of like screen the film, basically. So I was just finishing up my architecture degree, like finishing, which I made a film for, which was Robots of Brixton, which was, I guess, yeah, me launching into kind of like moving from architecture and launching into into film um, and it feels because we're walking through that we're doing the interview here now so we're walking through and I feel quite nostalgic actually walking through certain bits because certain shots and certain things I'm just remembering of like um, the world that's sort of built for that piece Yeah. Um, but that was my first short film really or my first film that I called my proper short film Yeah. Uh, which banded out in terms of got into a whole bunch of festivals as well as um, then got me my next kind of like film and whatnot and just kind of push me into and force me to kind of like make the, the jump to kind of become a filmmaker. Amazing. So yeah, Robots of Brixton was amazing. Um, and we screened that in the markets with Brickbox who've gone on to do marvellous things now. I think they're based in Bristol now but yeah. they're, they're still going on strong. But uh, yeah, this was the interesting, what I loved about it is I think when people get into anything like film you like to work out how they got into it but the fact that you got into it through architecture I found quite fascinating I recall you saying it was to do with the sort of software you were using for buildings because Robots at Brixton is very much based on architecture got a little bit of a gentrification narrative yeah. and historical narrative regarding the Brixton rights so it's all very it's very powerful stuff but as an animation piece specifically you use a type of software that apparently Architects can use as well, is that right? Yeah, so when I was much younger, my dad got me this piece of software called 3D Studio Max, and my dad got me like kind of a ripped copy, and when I was quite young, and I was using it kind of as. How did, why did he do that? I mean, that's just cool. Just because he like... used to like always build sort of computers, and he wanted us to kind of learn how to get in, inside them, but use them for. Okay. to kind of create stuff as opposed to just playing games. What's um, his background then? He's a, he's a chemist, a material chemist. Okay, so um, all very scientific. Yeah. Okay. So he cut us, and he got us all these kind of like massive bibles of how to kind of like use the software and learn. So I learned to use the software quite early on, and then I used it initially for kind of making look fun animations, and I used it for, but then when it comes to kind of choosing a degree, he was like, you've got to do something proper, so you've got to 
go to university and do like a proper where, subject. Where are you, where's your, what's your background? Where are your parents uh, from? So my dad is Jamaican and my mum's from Grenada. So it was um, very much be studious. It was like be studio, do something where you can get like a proper profession after. So if I said dad I want to be a filmmaker, you would have been like, no way. Right. Not happening. Okay. Um, did, you, did you though? Did you have those thoughts? I wanted to be an animator, which is what I thought. Um, but it wasn't really a profession. When I was going into uni, it wasn't really something that you could have done as a job at that point, which now you could. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, I feel like there's, it's, it's a very niche thing to do animation and be successful with it. I, and you're saying, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but you're suggesting that now, given... We were talking off-air off, off air about the idea of there's a lot more work out there because there's a lot more content being produced. Yeah. So does that mean... Is that how now there are more courses going on? That it's not so much... It's more because like a lot of the top animation companies and stuff are based in the UK now. Okay. Um, so almost Hollywood movies, a big portion of them are made here. So there's like thousands and thousands of different jobs for different animation or VFX type jobs, which in... When I was going to uni in 2003, that wasn't the case. Because those films didn't exist. So, so you know, my nickname is Cynical Sin, so this yeah. is one of my first Cynical Sin moments here. Um, would you not think, would you, well, I, I feel that those sort of courses are not necessarily going to get you those sort of jobs. Like you yourself have said that you slipped into it through doing something else. Yeah. Um, how genuine do you think it is for anybody to do a filmmaking course, a animation course and get into a successful place in the industry today because I think anytime I've heard people that work in this industry they will always tell you they fell into things or yeah. um, you know it was through a level of nepotism if you like. Yeah. Um, filmmaking, if I separate the two just for one second because filmmaking feels slightly different to animation in a way because I feel like there's lots of people I know who went to film school which is most, mostly quite expensive but went to film school and now are successful film directors, film and TV directors. Okay. Um, and there's a few people I know who've done animation courses through uni, through a kind of regular, which again is also very expensive now. But And the animation one is more linear in a way, mm -hmm. because there's... You just have to be good at it and people want it, or...? And also there's more, like, you might have, say a director with, say a project I might, say one of my projects, right? Um, I might have... There's only one director than me, but it might be 10 or 20 animators on it. Okay. So for each project, there might be more. So there's more sort of like jobs, like it's a bit of a numbers game. Um, so I think you can like, with animation, it feels like a more linear thing of you could do a course at a university or like a college and then find work. Maybe you would probably start off as like a runner or doing like lower kind of like some of the jobs that just are quite labour intensive and yeah. then work your way through a company. That's feasible. Um, and we have got some animation sheet and we look for people sometimes straight out of college or straight out of uni okay. to kind of join us Easier and then train them up. Easier to manipulate. Easier to manipulate, yeah. <laughs> but then train them up and then... Um, so, but filmmaking is like different because I think that... One is like, I guess I'm talking filmmaking as a director, let's say. You, for me, it's a lot about opportunity and whether the opportunities come up and then being able to kind of see the opportunity and jumping on it mm -hmm. and people being able to kind of trust you to do it and um, it's just it's not as a linear a, a path. That's why I think that more people have like much more random ways in. Like if you think of someone like Steve McQueen, who's an artist, yep. who's now considered you know 
one of the top directors in the world. Um, but he kind of came through a side route of like slightly winning the Turner Prize and then sure. doing his video art and then kind of coming into film. Which is well, very similar to yours in, in that you did this, um, you know, you happened to be screening this uh, robots at Brixton at a time when Brixton was, you know, at the, at the kind of moment of the gentrification tipping point. Yeah. And then your film was quite relevant to that. So I guess that's yeah. probably maybe why you were passionate about doing it in that space um, at the time. Um, but then, you know, you what happened after that? So you, you managed to get a successful launch. Did you have a plan? Because it seemed like as soon as that happened, boom, 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 boom. lots was, of things went on after that and you ended up creating... The, setting up a studio yeah there was no there was well we were setting up a studio like part of that original screening was our launch for our studio so what's the studio name thanks for 15 yeah so we had all finished uni together and there was three of us essentially who joined our uni work together to start our studio factory 15 and the screen of robots of Brixton. we screened the other films from the other guys i was studying with mm -hmm. and that was our launch party and then we'd already kind of got our studio space set up or like knew where we wanted to go but we hadn't got it set up but directly after that I remember the next morning after kind of like we come down and done an interview for um, it's a bit of a weird story actually I remember Alex Wheatle, um oh yeah do you know him right? yes yes so I met him and he sort of like mentored me a little bit on Robes of Brixton oh right and then he um, he sent me like out all he sent me an email about his latest book um, it's sort of like a press invite to his all of his um, people, right? But he didn't BCC everyone. <laughs> oh, so I, remember I had the trailer, right? And I was like, and I just kind of like yonked his like list and just sent my trailer out to kind of cheeky, all his press, which was cheeky, but, but clever. It, it got to BBC News through that way. So that when we were doing our screening, then I got a call from BBC News saying, "What is it? If you haven't heard of it? Sounds cool." So they come down and done an interview before the screening, and then after that. Um, after that, it went on news that day or the day of the screening, and then the next day I got an email from it was Eva Yates who works at BBC now, but was that film for saying we saw the kind of this in the news? Is it, are you interested in kind of working into film? So it was kind of like a, by a chance. And if I wasn't cheek and didn't rip off his email list, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Did you ever tell Alex that? I haven't seen him well, since. Well, actually. hopefully, <laughs> I if he hears this, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he might be asking for royalties yeah. on all your future work. Um, so then from that I then kind of like pitched the idea for my next short which was at the time it's kind of a it's, it's called Jonah amazing um, but amazing. it was a sort of a remake or like my telling of the old man and the Z story so I went in with like a really loose idea and because they were sort of excited about Ropes of Brixton and potentially what sort of I could do in the film world they gave me the commission really based off the idea as opposed to it being like a fully formed script or anything like that sure, so sure and that that's such an amazing I loved that um, with, with good old Daniel in there. Um, yeah. I, that was a massive bag. Did you know him personally or was that part of the arrangement that you were able to get, you know, some solid casting? Because even back then he was a, a solid actor in, in sort of more, more local TV in yeah. Britain. Um, how did that come about? So that came about through... So casting Daniel Kaluuya, yeah. for those who are not... Um, Okay, with Jonah. Well, hopefully we'll have all the links to all of your work on, on the article. But go and carry on. So the working with Daniel came up through a casting director, Aisha Walters, who is a good friend of mine as well, I've like, known through from university, but like works in film and TV. Aisha by Walters. Uh, she was Aisha Walters then. Um, 
like so it wasn't like a kind of like I wanted to kind of work with actors my thing was like if I'm going to move away from architecture which I've done for six years now I need to kind of like get better at the things I don't or need to practice things I haven't done yet sure, so sure. my thing was I wanted to work with really some really solid actors and um, having film four on your side and what was the other chaps, chaps name? Uh, Malachi Kirby. He was fantastic as well. So yeah, so we both. So then I got to um, work with him here, and I, like for me, it was like kind of like first time working back to the first time working within the structure of making a film. Were so, you not? Were you overwhelmed with that? Or did you? How did you get through that? Or it was it was it, it was intense. It was really intense, but it was like I still use all the same sort of like tools that I've kind of started to develop through my animation. A lot of planning, a lot of like working stuff out, a lot of. Basically, like, I was a bit scared, so I kind of made a really crude animation of the whole piece because I didn't know how I was going to shoot it. It like, gave me kind of an insight into how I was going to do it. And then I'd done a lot of rehearsals with... I think at the time we had, like, maybe four days rehearsal for a short film, four or five days, which for when there's only, like, three kind of full dialogue scenes, which is a lot, mm -hmm. especially for an actor who is... It was established then already, so it wasn't, like... He wasn't busy, you yeah. know what I mean? So, like... I got a lot of time with him when he was really kind of like giving in all of that. That's amazing. Um, so. so that, yes, I, you can sort of work out what the, the piece is based on. But again, it almost felt like another sort of commentary on sort of what happens with aspirations, certain types of aspirations yeah. and, and capitalism, if you like. So this seems like there's two themes going on, like back to back. Was this um, is this something that's on your mind? Is this your is this your politics, or was this just coincidence? I think it's my politics coming out, and I think you know, like I always wanted to try and make work that's, that's about something. I think that like I come from a very political family in terms of like my dad and my brother um, brothers. Um, so and I think actually what happened was both of those ideas I sort of had at the same time. It's just that Ropes of Brixton happened first. Okay. So I remember I was travelling, I was around, I was in East Africa, and just before I went back to uni to do my last year, and I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do next. And the first one was Ropes of Brixton, but then when I came back to it, I still was thinking about all these things, and I was thinking about being a tourist in and around East Africa, um, which then kind of just inspired the next one. So all those sorts of things were was going through my kind of like my thinking at the time. There's, there's a sort of theme of, of wringing hands. We were sort of joking sitting in, in, in the market earlier in, in, in Federation Coffee and laughing about, you know, the fact that we are sort of part of the gentrification process as much as we, we, we remember being dragged here with, you know, our parents and, uh, you know, buying into the foodstuffs. But at the same time, we have to be kind of honest that yeah. us as sort of creatives and, and what our parents have established for us has allowed us to now just sit casually drinking coffee and tea on a, on a Monday afternoon exactly. <laughs> yeah you know in the middle of the day um, and there's I feel like when I look at those two works there's a, especially the Jonah that, that, that I feel that there's that sort of um, struggle of you know when you start to get successful where does it really all end up going do you feel that you you, you have that struggle with yourself as you you see be better better things coming your way um, I think so, like it's one of those things that you can't really see sometimes because you're you always like making decisions like that feel like immediately in front of you but I do always have that kind of struggle about like you're trying to work out what next and as you kind of like your project's growing and kind of skeleton builds you kind of like you're trying to work out 
where you fit, but at the same time, you also need to kind of like choose the next thing. So, but I do have that thing of like, and I do try and kind of be balanced in the work. It's like a lot of my work does talk about gentrification and kind of change and stuff, but I also realise that I'm probably one of the gentrifiers. So I can't. I sit in Brixton Market and like we've done this big party and kind of like that. Loads of people were talking about for like weeks after actually. Um, and then now Brixton Market is obviously the hotspot that it is in terms of like people coming and, and it's coming with like a symbol of gentrification sure. um, and we're definitely part of like the, 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 the kind of the myth of that or creating the myth of what that is so it's like it's not a linear thing to kind of say oh like even um, or to try to make films or what I'm talking about not to be worthy to try to actually look inside of um, Look inside yourself as well, it's quite a, um, not tricky thing, but it's like, it's what I try and do in the work, which sometimes means that it sometimes gets a bit muddled because you're kind of like, you think one thing, you think another, you're not saying, yes. this is not like everything is super linear and super very clear, sometimes you're kind of like throwing questions around, yeah. which is what I try and do with the work, I try and kind of like ask questions of it and then try and create the work in my style or whatever that means. Right, and then the next project was, was it the festival? Piece, the one based in the festival at one right? Yeah. I mean, in between that, you you got to do lots of work with Factory 15, I assume. I, yeah. I saw a fantastic Guinness commercial, actually, which yeah. was amazing. But it wasn't aired here, was it? It was, it was for Guinness um, Africa. Yeah, it was great. Did you film that? We filmed in uh, South Africa and Ghana. Lucky you. Um, so, so, yeah, so from Journey, I then started to kind of like establish my career really and there's lots of kind of full starts lots of things that start and stop like I remember the first thing I won after Jonah I kind of got my commercial agents then and I won a big video for Katy Perry okay um, did you do it almost I got like so we've done this big pitch and I pitched for like three months I spent ages doing this pitch and I was like because I was the least experienced director and, and there's like all these guys that have done all these videos for Beyonce and whatnot okay. um, and so, but one I had a kind of cool idea and I won the thing and then we got out to LA and then just as like two days before shooting, she was um, they were kind of she got cold feet about doing like basically then they done the big listening party okay. and no one liked the song so ah, okay. they um, they then like decided not to spend all this money doing this sure. music video so sure. like they flew us out and all of that and then when they cancelled the video yeah um, nice little holiday so it was a bit <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, and it's like, and I was a bit like, do I really want to do a Katy Perry music video? I did, like, I did stay you know side-eyeing I mean? you. I was side-eyeing you, but you know, it's your interview, you're go, so... You're going through it, and you're like, you're like, you're trying to work it out, but at the same time, this it's like... This is the struggle, this is the struggle. It's like, struggling. There's, there's, so, there's so little work in some of the things, areas we want to do anyway, that you, this is what we get presented yeah. at times, and you just think to yourself... But there's a lot of cool idea generation that came from having to kind of pitch on that stuff. And that's one of the things I've learned, like, because I always have to kind of try and document what I'm doing. I always kind of put all the ideas and all the references into like a massive, like, bin. Yeah. So that when something else maybe comes up, yeah, you've got there's resource. ideas that you uh, then, you've kind of been thinking about. So, um, yeah, so after that, I was sort of like setting up and starting my career in terms of like trying to kind of go from essentially making short films to kind of becoming a director who can live off their earnings um, and so part of that included doing some commercial stuff which again that's kind of it's a bit tricky to kind of turn the, it took quite a few years to actually kind of turn the corner in that um, mm -hmm. and that one of that involved doing this kind of big Guinness commercial in South and West Africa because in they were basically they got Guinness had a new drink for 
basically like African hipsters. Um, and so they wanted to kind of like document all these different artists and dancers. Yes. So they involved, yeah, involved like, because they're the biggest, the most Guinness is drunk in, in Nigeria. Yeah. So, but the way that, so I'm going on a bit, but the way that um, right. it's marketed is like you drink Guinness and then after, it's like a man drinks Guinness after a hard day's work. Right. Is their marketing, but they wanted to get younger people to drink it. So they sure. kind of came to me with, with like a rough idea and then I kind of like pitched back and said look I would treat it like this and then we got to do that and there's a lot of, that's probably the most fun I've had on the shoot actually kind of travelling to we've done actually we've done yeah a little bit in Kenya uh, South Africa and Ghana amazing well um, it's, a, it's a fantastic piece um, again that wasn't that, that came out what year was that then that was like 2015 now yeah so that's interesting. Would you have thought of getting involved in more African artists for, for, for videos for them? Because it did actually just look like a really cool music video. Yeah, so a lot, some of the artists that we were speaking to, I was talking to trying to kind of work with them previously, and some of the dancers in particular, I met them, met with them in, like, because I was in Africa a lot that year, so I met with them in, I was in Senegal and I met them in... I, love, I had to stop you there because you actually used Africa in the right way. Like you, you went to three different, you went to several countries in yeah. Africa, so it was valid. Sorry, I've just been silly. It was a valid thing to say, but go and carry on. Um, just like, just, I've thrown you, haven't I? Yeah, no, but I was saying I was there, what's it called, quite a lot that year anyway, because I travelled back and forth, because I was still doing a lot of the architecture work. Mm-hmm. Not so much designing, but a lot of kind of like sharing the films and presenting a lot about whether it's my journey into films and like the kind of style of films I'll be making so I spent a lot of time on the continent um, and there's a lot of the artists that we kind of linked up with because they sort of became superheroes within the piece mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we've been talking about working with and some are new from some of the other things I've been doing over the years so that's a combination of what am I saying? Is it something? Is it? Is this an area that you like to focus on? Like, do you feel like your background, you, you're you're trying to work with the diaspora often, or is it just that it happens that you're, you know, that's just one of many interests areas? Like, I, I hate the idea of trying to typecast you and sort of, you know, make you out to be, oh, well, you're black. And you, I think a lot know, of it so comes still from like you don't realise, and now I've been very reflective recently. Like, a lot of it comes from. Um, because I remember my dad was like, he was very much like, you should do your education here and you should kind of then, he had a big kind of contradiction in his actions because he was like, England's good for education, so do your education here then kind of get out of this country and go and work in Africa. Oh, and you right. don't realise... Why, why actually, not the Caribbean if they're from the Caribbean? I um, don't know. Okay. He was just like, because I think it's what he wanted to do. Okay. Um, so, but you don't realise actually how much that influences you until you actually look back at your actions. So like, you're just like, you think, oh, yeah, yeah, dad, whatever, but then actually when you look back at the things you've been doing So he's years, a proud dad then, he's, he's yeah. there beaming. Um, so, like, if I think of the films I've made and moving forward to kind of work we've been doing recently, like, there's so much work that like either shot or done in Africa. Yeah. Um, and so you look at, you kind of look at these things as, like, and then even when he got me that first bit of software, right, he was like, go, like, you should do a proper career, but at the same time he bought me a bit of animation software, which led to me making films. If he didn't do it, I wouldn't be doing, making yeah, films. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So he's so a major mu- influence. However much he says you should do these things, he kind of was planting all the seeds. Yeah, well, it um, makes sense. I mean, yeah, our parents, historically, and for good reason, would always want us to do something that's a sound career, yeah. solid, that gets you your, 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 your money, your bread and butter, and then... 
after you can do the creative yeah. type of thing. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. There was, um, we can talk about noughts and crosses soon, but there was also, um, I was trying to refer to it, the, the, the animation about um, the pop star. Yeah, so that, that's what's getting on to a little bit with a lot of our Bangman ideas. So from with the Katy Perry video, because what happened was she fell out of love with the song. And then they were talking about, first they were talking about just moving the dates. They said, look, let's find another three days to shoot this video like later on. They said, let's postpone it at first. But then they couldn't find another date within 18 months because her schedule was so like packed. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, you've got all the apparent freedom in the world, but at the same time you can't find... This is so, really then, so then that idea basically came to spawn, the idea of kind of this like robot pop princess who's kind of trapped by her, her keepers sort of came from um, that video falling apart. Which is amazing, loved that. And interestingly, years later, um, when I saw Charlie Brooker's piece with uh, Miley Cyrus, yeah. I have to say, I wonder if there was a level of inspiration <laughs> there. But I know Charlie Brooker's amazing and yeah. he's always thinking futuristically, but I did see an interesting connection there. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a very common thought about, I mean, from the early days of you know, child pop stars like Michael yeah. Jackson and Donny Osmond and the whole nature of the cage yeah. birds, you know, these, these, these amazing talented uh, individuals who unfortunately um, don't have much of a life in the end. Yeah. So it was, it was as simple as that. It was just as... A, a, it kind of came, yeah, like, I guess, yeah, just like a lot of the work and it's that thing of like one thing leading to another, leading to the next. Yeah, just a lot of the work was, or a lot of the idea generation for that thing ended up kind of being used in something else, which that was actually allowed to be more mine than the music video ever would have been. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways it worked out better. Do you think if you had done that video that maybe a lot of your work would have gone in a completely different direction then? I don't know. I think the video would have been a bit rubbish by the end of it because I, feel, I can remember seeing myself, because I hadn't worked within a, a big structure before, I remember kind of feeling myself getting lost within, even when talking to the video commissioner and like everyone's ideas coming into it. It was quite clear what the, our actual pitch was, but then... I could feel like people being like, you should cast this person. We're out in LA and everyone's kind of like doing the LA thing. And you're like, is that a good idea? And you don't think it is, but you could feel yourself not really having, because I wasn't that experienced and not really having the kind of... Confidence, maybe, to put your foot confidence, down? Confidence, but or? it's also the strength to kind of know when you're, when you're pushing it, because you, you haven't gone through the experience, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it would have been whittled down. It would have been like overproduced if it actually happened. Okay. And I don't know how good it would have been in the end. So, let's fast forward to Noughts and Crosses, which is actually premiering today at the Ritzy, across yes. the road. See the BBC trucks everywhere, <laughs> and I think you're an absolute nutter to have met me today, which I thank you for, when you've got so much running around, and you've got to find that amazing shirt to wear. I've got to find You've got, you've got to represent something. Well, the cast are going full on Wakanda today, yeah, so I need you've to... got to find your Wakanda <laughs> shirt, and if I see you not wearing one, I'd be very disappointed. Um... But yes, yeah, so Noughts and Crosses, um, based on a novel. You yeah. tell, talk to me about it. So because there's, there's actually an interesting. Actually, I'll let you talk about it. And we'll, we'll segue. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So Noughts and Crosses. I started working on Noughts and Crosses two years ago now. Novel written by. Novel written by Mallory Blackman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a bit late to the novel because I, like kids younger than me sort of like got it at school, but I missed that boat. Um, so I didn't know. You know, I knew about it, but then I didn't know the book until 
essentially kind of read the script and I've got to the book after essentially getting commissioned. And their big challenge, and a lot of the reason they came to me was 